You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So, Crates, the only true wisdom consists in knowing that you know nothing. That's us, dude. Oh, yeah. Let's bag them. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zabe, your host, and today we are back with our next fun-sized episode of The Home Game. For those of you who might be new to the show, this is not the regular format of the podcast, but rather a sort of mini episode to give you your chance to play at home or with a friend or by yourself, as well as giving you your fix of Gen X trivia in between regular episodes of the show. The home game is here for those who want to enjoy the nostalgia of their generation, but may not have an hour to invest in a podcast, or for those who just want to get right to the games and nostalgia. Here's how we play. Just like in the regular edition of the podcast, we will have three rounds of trivia and games for you to play. Each episode, we invite a special guest and let them set the benchmark score for you to try and beat. Each round has a different game for you to try out, and at the end, you can compare your score with that of our special guest benchmark and earn your rank on the quiz. Our special guest this episode is our second youngest guest ever to appear on the podcast. We're going generational on this episode by having the daughter of a former guest on today. Please welcome to the show, Avalon. Avalon. Hello. Hi, Avalon. Hi. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Why don't you say hello to the listeners? Tell them a little bit about yourself. Please include what generation you're from, how you feel about setting the benchmark score for the episode, and if there's anything you'd like to plug or shout out uh, before we start going. All right. So I'm Avalon. I call myself a zillennial because I'm a cusper. I was born in 1997. And if you look up on Google what generation I'm in, there's mixed. It, some say millennial, some say Gen Z. And they don't know where to put people that were born between 1995 and 2000. So I call myself a millennial because I lived without smartphones, things like that. But I also lived with it. So I I don't know. I call myself a millennial. Like you said, I'm the daughter of Marissa, who was on here earlier, who was one of your very good friends. Yeah, she was uh, uh, on the episode about uh, New Kids on the Block with her friend Christine. Yes. Yeah, She's that was our third big, episode. Yeah, Very big New Kids on the Block fan. I don't know anything about that so don't ask me any <laughs> questions please things to plug i do have a podcast we don't record anymore but you are free to go back and listen to all the episodes we do have um it's called conspiracy snacks and tinfoil hats on all streaming platforms it's me and my best friend just talking about different conspiracies that we like and find interesting Oh, and how I feel. I'm very nervous to be on the show preparing. I thought I was going to know a lot, 
But then I found out I really don't know anything. So I don't know if anyone on the show has gotten all the questions wrong, but <laughs> I might I might be the first. Well, on the show, we give a rank at the end for depending on how many questions you get right, how many points you score, right? Yeah. And it's just kind of a fun thing we do to plug the show together. So you do not want to fail this because your rank is, is a, a very awful thing to carry around with you. So uh, I know. do your best. We'll see how you I'll do. I'll do my best. You know, listeners, be, be kind to her. She is a, what would you say? A, a zillennial. Zillennial. Yeah. Whatever the hell that is. <laughs> uh, but we're going to roll with it. And I, I, I hope you have a good time. Yeah. So check out Avalon's podcast, Conspiracies, Snacks, and Tinfoil Hats is its name. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. Before we start, I also have a quick shout out to give to our latest supporter on Patreon, Colleen. Thanks so much for your love and support for the show. This sound clip is in your honor. Thanks for doing your part to save Generation X. And I'm not giving this to you because I like you or anything like that. It's just that, well, when my piggy bank was getting too full and I had to buy something. So listeners, let's see if you can outscore this Zoomer slash Zillennial or if you need to get your Gen X credentials re-examined. There are a total of 23 points available in this episode. Keep track of your score, and we'll let you know how well you did versus our special guest benchmark at the end of the episode. Enough talk. So that's enough chatting about it. Let's do it. It's time to see if you can save Generation X from fading into oblivion. Round one. Round one is our trivia round consisting of five questions about either a Gen X conspiracy theory, a Gen X snack, or a certain kind of hat from the Gen X timeline. I thought it only right to pick something of these super random and bizarre collection of categories to get us started here today. Each complete correct answer is worth two points. Avalon, we have a loud arguments clause in the show that states, if you think you can convince the judges to award you for credit for a partial correct answer, then you can make your case by arguing aggressively and appealing to the judges. Uh, we'll use the honor system here for those who are playing at home. And you can award yourself one pity point if you think you could have shut down the judges if you were here playing with us in person. Avalon, if you want a pity point, however, you're welcome to, to have the loud arguments with the judges. Come strong, though, with your arguments, okay? The judges are very strict, and they found out today that they are remaking the movie Dirty Dancing, so they are a little, little bit cranky. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Good luck. Here's question number one. You do know Dirty Dancing, right, Avalon? I've never seen it. <laughs> We'll edit that out. Don't worry. No one will know. Your rep is safe. Here we go. Question number one. Through all of time, wars are no stranger to conspiracy theories. And the cola wars of Generation X were no different. Which of the following was an actual cola war conspiracy theory during the Gen X timeline? Was it A, the Coca-Cola company intentionally damaged their brand and lost millions in sales after they changed to an inferior formula with New Coke in 1985 with the intent of driving up demand for the original product? Or was it B, in 1991, Mexican Coke added the same amount of phosphoric acid to the soda as the active ingredient in the over-the-counter anti-nausea drug because of the amount of sugar in the drink would cause the elderly to vomit without it? Is it C, in 1986, Coca-Cola Classic contained trace amounts of cocaine in it in order to take advantage of the drug's addictive qualities, and this is the source of where the name Coke comes from? Or is it D, drinking Diet Coke after eating a Mentos Mint makes your stomach explode? Don't try this at home. Do not try this on your own. It is extremely dangerous. What do you got, Avalon? 
As much as I want it to be D, I'm pretty sure it is A. A is correct. See, this isn't so hard. You're on the board already. If they're conspiracies, I got them. <laughs> I, I know all. I know them all. So right. here's the fun fact. While all four of these have one foot in a conspiracy theory, the correct answer is A. Claims that the Coca-Cola company intentionally changed to an inferior formula with new Coke with the intent to drive up demand for the original product. That's the correct answer. The theory goes on to suggest that they would also be able to have reintroduced the original with a new separate formula using cheaper ingredients. Coca-Cola president David Keogh rebutted this charge by saying, quote, the truth is we're not that dumb and we're not that smart. As for the other theories here, phosphoric acid has everything to do with the soda's taste and reducing mold in the drink, not anti-nausea. It also is found in all the Coke products here, so and not specifically uh, Mexican Coke from 1991. So that's why that would be an incorrect answer for that question on the quiz. Drinking Diet Coke after eating a Mentos Mint makes your stomach explode is bogus. Everyone knows that you have to drink the Diet Coke first and then eat a Mentos in order to get your stomach to explode, not the other way around. Once again, we remind you, don't ever think of trying to do this yourself. It won't make your stomach explode, but it will make you feel like crap and give you nasty indigestion. Regardless, this myth didn't come around until the invention of YouTube and the weird viral video challenges that came around with it. Gen X was not the generation to be involved in doing these kinds of odd challenges. Our dangerous challenges were riding in the back of pickup trucks on the freeway and playing on rusted playground equipment at school. In fairness, though, we did eat Pop Rocks and drink soda, and that does indeed make your stomach explode, as a matter of fact. Watch this, but don't try it. You could get killed. And lastly, the trace amounts of cocaine was never in Coca-Cola Classic in 1986, but it was found in Coke in the earliest days of the soda. They changed the formula to remove the booger sugar in 1929. So there's no conspiracy here at all. That really happened. However, removing it in 1929 means that many of those from Gen X had grandparents getting loaded on Coke with Coke back then. And that explains a lot, I think. Here's question number two. In the movie, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, we see Pee-wee pour out what seems to be a whole box of Mr. T cereal onto Mr. Breakfast. I pity the poor fool. Don't eat my cereal. <laughs> Here's the question. How many grams of sugar was in a whole box of Mr. T cereal. This is a multiple choice. Was it A, 28, B, 48, C, 108, or D, 69? 69, dudes! <laughs> hmm. I'm going to go with C. With 12 grams of sugar per serving and nine servings per box, there are 108 grams of sugar per box of Mr. T cereal. You're correct. <gasps> That's a lot of sugar. Yeah. Pee-wee only took two small bites of his breakfast in the movie. So the source of his huge excitability must come from another source besides sugar. Not a main, not a main, not, not, not a main, say no more. Question number three. Our next question comes courtesy of listener and fan favorite two-time contestant on the show, Robert. His question just happens to be about hats, as it works out. The iconic disco group, The Village People, had a gimmick where its members would dress as characters symbolic of American masculinity and macho gay fantasy personas. Those personas have changed over the years, but there were six iconic members in the original lineup in 1977, and they all wore hats. Which of the following hats were not worn by an original member of The Village People? This is multiple choice as well. Is it A, a fireman's helmet, 
B, a cowboy hat, C, a leather biker hat, or D, a motorcycle helmet? I'm thinking D. A motorcycle helmet is Mm -hmm. incorrect. I'm sorry. The correct answer is A, a fireman's helmet. Apparently, firemen were not as much of a macho gay fantasy persona as the others back in the 70s. Here's the fun fact, though. In 1977, French disco producer Jacques Morali had a dream about singer Victor Willis and that he would be the lead singer of his next record and that would it would be, quote, very, very big. Well, he was right. And Victor Willis has been fronting the village people ever since. The music was recorded long before there was ever six members in the group and only Willis performed on the early recordings. With record sales soaring, Willis saw the need to create a permanent group so he took out an ad in a theater trade paper, which read, quote, Macho types wanted, must dance, and have a mustache. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> That's what my Tinder profile says, too. <laughs> we won't give that in the show notes. We'll, we'll give out a link to uh, the podcast, but we will not give out a link to your Tinder profile. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Your mom would kill me. Question mm-hmm. number four. Switching back to snacks for question number four. I'm going to read you the description of four snacks. And you need to tell me which of the following were not snacks during the Gen X timeline. Which one was not a snack? Was it A, Pink Panther Flakes, which were like Frosted Flakes, but pink? The cereal jingle opens, Pink Panther Flakes are pink. Or was it B, McDonald's Onion Nuggets, which were chicken nugget-sized chunks of white onions deep fried? Was it C, Lifesaver holes, which were advertised as the candy bits removed from the center of lifesavers. They did for candy what donut holes did for donuts. Or was it D, cup pizza, which was the same concept as cup of noodles, but instead pizza. Are these all real? One of them is not real. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with B because I've never heard of that in my life. McDonald's onion, onion nuggets. nuggets. Onion nuggets? We're a real thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Onion nuggets existed back in the Gen X timeline. So you got oh, that one wrong? The correct answer is D, couple pizza. That was my second guess. Yeah. In the Steve Martin comedy film, The Jerk, one particularly strange food item that has stood out in pop culture and begs the question, why hasn't someone come up with this yet? According to Martin's character, people come from all over to get this pizza in a cup. Move over, cup of noodles. Oh, this is the best pizza in a cup ever. This guy's unbelievable. He ran the old cup of pizza guy out of business. People come from all over to get this. Question number five is a sports question. You like sports, Avalon? No. Okay, we're screwed. (laughs) Well, how about this? Do you like conspiracies? Oh, yeah. Do you like conspiracies about sports? I don't think I know too many. Well, let's find out. sure. Let's find out, huh? Sports have been the subject of many conspiracy theories over the years. The NBA draft lottery of 1985 was the subject of one such conspiracy theory. Believers claim that then-commissioner David Stern and the NBA rigged the lottery so that the New York Knicks would get the first pick and with it, future Hall of Famer Patrick Ewing. He was a once-in-a-decade talent who would change the fate of whichever team that picked him. The lottery was conducted by drawing an envelope containing the team names from a bizarrely large, transparent beach ball-looking drum that spins around to mix up the envelopes. What is the conspiracy claim on how the NBA rigged the 1985 draft lottery for the New York Knicks? This is a multiple choice. Unless you know it off the top of your head. I do not. <laughs> okay, all right. So we'll go with the multiple choice. Yes, please. Was it A, 
The envelope containing the Knicks name was heavily weighted, so it would drop to the bottom of the pile in the big drum, making it easy to identify. Was it B, the envelope contained a magnet that stuck to the commissioner's watch when he drew it? Was it C, all the envelopes contained the New York Knicks name printed on one side and the other team names were printed on the other side and some small sleight of hand when drawn ensured that the Knicks would get the pick? Was it D, the envelope containing the Knicks name was frozen, making it identifiable by touch? Or was it E? Commissioner David Stern is secretly a member of a forgotten race of tall, blood-seeking, shape-shifting reptilian humanoid archons from the Alpha Draconis star system who hide in underground bases and are the secret force behind worldwide conspiracy of all humanity, who happens to also be a big fan of the New York Knicks. <laughs> I'm going to go with A, the the weight. The, it was weighted down? Yeah. Judges? I'm sorry, oh. that one is incorrect as well. Uh, the correct answer is D. Claims were made that the league office conspired to ensure the Knicks got the number one pick in the draft by freezing the envelope in dry ice to make it identifiable by touch to Commissioner David Stern. The league had everything to gain by making sure that the New York Knicks got the first pick and Patrick Ewing as the result. The same counting firm who oversaw the draft was in affiliation with the parent company that owned Madison Square Garden, where the Knicks play. Collusion would have been super easy. Wait, the judges are handing me this piece of paper. Let me read this real quick. <clears throat> On behalf of Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show, I would like to apologize and officially retract option E from the multiple choice options. We all know that reptilians do not exist, and this is foolish to make claims that a secret race of aliens has a cabal hellbent on ruling the world using powerful humans as their puppets. It's just silly. If there were indeed a race of super intelligent, shape-shifting humanoids, then I, for one, would welcome them as our new rulers, knowing that they would have only good intentions for humankind, despite the whole, you know, blood-drinking thing. I'm sure they have their reasons, and I'm in no position to question our benevolent overlords. Thank you. On to round two. Round two. Round two today is a game called Gen X with a side of bacon. Move over, bacon. Now there's something meatier. You know, they say that everything is better with bacon and movie makers from Generation X seem to live by that rule because with over 100 acting credits to his name, it felt like Kevin Bacon was in everything back in the day. In this game, I'll provide you with a list of three TV shows or movies, and you must name the one that Kevin Bacon is not in. One point for each correct answer. Okay. Was Kevin Bacon not in A, National Lampoon's Animal House, B, 40 Deuce, or C, Airplane 2, the sequel. One point riding on this. 33.33333% chance of getting it right just by guessing. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to say C. C is correct. <gasps> wow. Kevin Bacon was not in Airplane 2, the sequel. He did play Chip Diller in Animal House when he was only 19, and he was unforgettable as Ricky in 40 Deuce. I'm sure if they ever got around to making Airplane 3, then Mr. Bacon would be great in that flick. They love to make food puns in that series. Excuse me, this is the operator, Captain Over. I have an emergency call for you on line five from a Mr. Ham. All right, give me Ham on five. Hold the mail. Hey, Avalon. Hey. You know, when Kevin Bacon was a kid, he once had a friend named Johnny Eggs. When people saw them walking down the street together, they would call them Kevin and Johnny. <laughs> on to question two. Was Kevin Bacon not in A, The Outsiders, B, The Demon Murder Case, 
or C, she's having a baby. Which one put bacon on the side? Um, Which one had a side of bacon? A side of bacon. I'm going to go with the B. The demon murder case? Yeah. Does that just sound made up? Yeah. It was not made up. He was in that. In 1983, he played Kenny Miller. Mm-hmm. He was not in A, The Outsiders. Kevin Bacon played Jake Briggs in the movie She's Having a Baby. Despite having a who's who's list of actors in the film, Kevin Bacon was not in The Outsiders. So that would be the correct answer if you guess that. Give yourself a point. I guess Stay Gold, Bacon Boy, was not catchy enough to have him in that movie. See, Avalon, that's a joke in the movie <laughs> that you've never seen. I've never seen it. But your lack of laughter at that joke is probably warranted because there's probably nobody laughing listening to this as well. So you're in good company. For those of you interested, the demon murder case featured Andy Griffith as a demonologist who joins forces with psychic Cloris Leachman to exercise Satan from a possessed teenager played by Kevin Bacon after he commits murder under the demonic possession. In his first ever TV role, the voice of Satan was played by Avi Firestein. It's really the perfect cast. <laughs> the show had everything. Do you know who Harvey Firestein is, Avalon? No. No? Uh, he was the voice for, uh, you might know him best in, in Mulan. He was the voice of Yao. He has the oh, raspy, gravelly voice. Oh, okay. I'm king of the rock. Who's going to mm-hmm. knock me up? Oh, I can't do that. That's a pretty uh, good impression. Thank you. On to question three. Here's the last one in the round. Tell me which of these titles put bacon on the side. Was it A? Three Men and a Little Lady, B, Footloose, or C, Voices of America, Hands Across America? Finally, I, found, I heard a movie I've seen, <laughs> so I know it's not D. Um, Got a 50-50 chance. I'm going to say <laughs> C. C, Voices of America, Hands Across America is I'm sorry, that's incorrect. <laughs> there are people shouting at their podcast I players know. right now. Anyone who's seen Three Men and a Little Lady would know that Kevin Bacon is not in that. Kevin and Bacon, of course, was Ren McCormick in the film Footloose. And he also appeared as himself in the music video for Hands Across America, which was an American song, Voices of America. It was a music video for the a song. Oh, like We Are the World. Yeah. Actually, it's awesome. made by the same people who did We Are the World. Oh. Or some of the people, some of the principals. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. He was not in Three Men and a Little Lady, presumably because it's not fair for the rest of the movies of the world to have both Kevin Bacon and Steve Gutenberg in the same flick. Avalon, do you know what Hands Across America was? Um, I know it from the movie Us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it. All right. Hey, well, just... you know, those things trickle down, right? <laughs> Yeah. In 1986, people paid 10 bucks a pop to hold hands for 15 minutes, forming a human chain across from one coast of America to the other. No, you're shaking your head. Never heard of it. Okay. No, I've heard of it. That just doesn't sound fun. Right. No, no, no. It doesn't sound fun, especially in a uh, COVID world or pandemic situation, right? I wrote this snarky joke about Hands Across America being lame and devoting all this effort to form a human chain across America instead of spending that effort and money to fight homelessness and help out poor people, right? But then I couldn't remember why they did Hands Across America in the first place. So I looked it up. Yeah, it turns out that it was to uh, help poor people and homeless and, uh, you know. (laughs) Basically do all kinds of good things for, for people in the world. And it turned out they made like millions of bucks to fight homelessness. So I felt like a loser for even thinking bad thoughts about this event. So let's forget about that. And let's move on to round three. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Round three. So, Avalon, you got five points so far. <laughs> Listeners, so if you have more than five points, you're beating our, our benchmark so far. But round three, things can really change. Round three today is a game called Sing Your Life. Avalon, others sing your life, but now is your chance to shine. In this game, I will play a clip from a song and players must sing the next lines until the judges are satisfied with their performance. Don't worry, though. If you've heard the judges sing in previous episodes, then you know that the bar is set pretty low here. There are five songs total to sing, and you'll be awarded one point for singing the next line and one bonus point for naming the band or artist who sang the song for a total of 10 points of the round. So if you're down on points right now, don't worry. Because anything can still happen. I think I could come back. Music music is my my jam. There you go. You got 10 points. If you can get all of these, you definitely won't. Well, <laughs> don't do math. Let's not do math. Don't, there, don't give me a false You have a chance of not failing this quiz if you get all 10 points. Okay. Hold yeah, me too. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. So when I stop the music, you have to keep singing the song until you can't any longer. Okay. Okay. We will then appeal the judges and see if they are pleased with your knowledge of song lyrics. So when okay. you hear the music stop, you start singing, and we'll then we'll reveal the rest of the song, and you'll have to tell me the band or artist, okay? Okay. Let's start with something super easy. Here's your hint. This song was from 1977. So what's that? 20 years before you're born? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buddy, you're a boy. Make a big, nice thing in the street. Gonna be a big man someday. Got blood on your face. Your big disgrace. Kicking your can all over the place, singing, we will, we will rock you. And I, I can keep singing, but I feel like that's sufficient. What What do you got on your face? Blood on my face. Is it mud? Judges? I've, I've <laughs> sang blood my whole life and no one's ever corrected me. So I feel like that's not my You said fault. both blood and mud. The correct answer is mud. What are we going to, what do you say, judges? Let, let's leave it up to the gatekeepers of Generation X. Judges, they're going to allow it. Yeah. But only if you can tell me who sings that song. Queen. That's two points. Woo-hoo. Well done. Let's reveal the rest of that song. See how correct you are. You got mud on your face. You big disgrace. Kicking your can all over the place. Singing, we will, we will rock you. Did you hear the mud this time? I can hear the mud this time. All right. I, I'm always saying blood. It's if you no promise to say mud from now on, we'll give you the whole point. I kind of like blood, though. <laughs> Makes it more hardcore. It does. It does. Okay. Queens, we will walk. We will walk you. Queens, we will rock you. Here's the fun fact. The song does not contain any actual drums. That famous rhythm came from the sound of the band, roadies, engineers, and even their tea lady, Betty, stamping their feet in a studio in London. Betty, the tea lady's lawsuit is still pending in British courts for not getting royalties for performing on the song. Uh, One assumes, that is. Maybe one of our three listeners in England can write the show and let us know. 
The judges and I are still waiting for them to put down their crumpets long enough to write the show. Who will say GenX at gmail.com? If you please, Gubna. Here's song number two. Let's see if you can keep it going. Song number two is from 1987. The correct response to this is a bit nuanced. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. So just go where it takes you and hopefully you'll get it right. Okay. Okay. We're going to have a, I'm just saying this disclaimer right now. We're having a little bit of leeway on the lyrics exact on this one. Does he go, come on, girl? Is that? Okay, let's reveal the song and see how close <laughs> Avalon got in this one. Judges! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I was like, who sings this song, Avalon? Michael Jackson. That is correct. Michael Jackson's The Way You Make Me Feel. Seeing how this is a Michael Jackson song, I feel like we should appeal the judges and ask if you can get a full point as long as you got at least one go on, girl, and one hee hee in your response. Judges? Okay, they're going to allow it. Okay, <laughs> listeners. Give yourself one point if you met this sufficient. See, he. I'm proud of that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I looked on thesaurus.com for a while to find a a word that would that would end in he. Sufficiency was the one that came to mind. Here we go. Okay, here's the next song. Song number three, where the music stops. You start in the game called Sing Your Life. Song number three is from 1984. Let's see if you can get this one. Everybody cut, everybody cut, everybody cut, everybody cut, everybody cut for loose. Let's reveal and see how close you got. So that's one point for the lyrics, but who sings that song, Avalon? <laughs> Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Kevin Bacon did a lot in the show so far, <laughs> but he did not sing that song. Mm. So that's only one point for that one. The correct answer is, of course, Kenny Loggins sang that song. Mm, I knew that. I knew that. Kevin Bacon revealed on Conan O'Brien that he bribes DJs at weddings with cash so they won't play the song. Uh, He said, quote, I go to the disc jockey and hand him 20 bucks and say, please don't play that song. So I guess if you're ever at a wedding with Kevin Bacon, be sure you have at least $21 in your wallet. (laughs) Here's song number four. Song number four is from 1973. That was the year I was born. Let's see if you can get this one. This one might be a little difficult, Avalon. (laughs) I'm nervous. Let's see if you can get it. (laughs) 
Conjunction Junction, what's your function? Oh no, I know the song. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know the words. It's kind of the game though. I don't know. Avalon, we have a rule on the show that you're not allowed to say, I don't know. Because if you do, you get slimed and you lose a point. No, no. And you I don't have points aware. to spare. I wasn't aware of this rule. You either get to make something up, make it entertaining, or uh, you lose a point. Let's do the song one more time since it's short and you can give me the words and avoid being slimed. Junction, Junction, what's your function? Come on, Avalon. I don't know why my mind's singing this, but this is the phrase that's in my head. And it, things are looking up my way. That's what pops in my head. I know that's not the word, but that's what comes in my mind. Judges? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. <laughs> Let's see how close you got. Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. That is incorrect, Avalon. I'm sorry, but you can still get a point if you can tell me the artist or band who sang that song. Uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Conjunction Junction was sung by Jack Sheldon. But if you said Schoolhouse Rock is the name of the band in quotes, well, that's close enough for the bonus points. Judges, is that correct? All right. So we're going to give you another point. Jack Sheldon's voice was also used as Bill from the I'm Just a Bill Schoolhouse Rock PSA. Same dude. I'm just a Bill. See, I could have finished. So you know that one. Yeah. Maybe we should have picked that one. Finally, the last song in this round of Sing Your Life is a song from 1978. Avalon, you got to get this one. No pressure. It's a lot of pressure. But I'm going to be really sad if you don't. Oh, no. And and I've only cried on my own podcast a couple of times. So oh, don't make no. me add this to the list. Here we go. Song number five from 1978. When the music stops, you start. Here we go. It's That's where it is. So I told her we'd still be friends. you got the lyrics but who sang that song um john travolta and oh no i'm spacing on her name oh no john travolta and oh no it's from greece you've said oh a couple times if that helps you oh it doesn't help me (laughs) 
I don't remember her name. Oh, Olivia Newton-John. That is correct. Oh, at the buzzer. Wow. I would have been sad if I didn't get that one. Me too. Here's the fun fact. Carrie Fisher was considered for the role of Sandy. The director of Greece went to the Star Wars mixing stage to visit his college roommate, George Lucas, and to see her in one of the battle scenes. He couldn't tell from the scene whether Carrie Fisher was right for the part, so he left and kept looking. If Princess Leia was Sandy, then we would know the answer to the super cringy lyrical question, did she put up a fight? Did she put up a fight? Yeah, Princess Leia wouldn't put up with that crap. Mm -mm. Okay, do you remember your score? Okay, let's see. (laughs) Okay, let's go to the ranks and see how well you did. If you're playing against our special guests and scored less than 13 points... Then this, what do you say? Zenial, Zillennial. Zillennial. It's all made up. Zillennial. No, real. That's a made up thing. There's no such thing as that. Then you let this Zillennial beat you and you may want to go back and brush up on the memories of your youth. Avalon, do you have any messages for those listening that you beat today? Oh yeah. You must really be bad because I was awful. You got less than me. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Same. If you're playing solo, then we're using the Footloose scoring system for grading the quiz today. A score of 21 to 23 points is the grade of an A and earns you the rank of Rin McCormick. Well, on my planet, we have a legend about people like you. It's called Footloose. And in it, a great hero named Kevin Bacon teaches an entire city full of people with sticks up their butts that dancing, well, it's about the greatest thing there is. So in that same spirit, you are doing your part to save Generation X. Well done. A score of 19 to 20 points is enough for a B, and that earns you the rank of Rusty, who is played by Sarah Jessica Parker. She was the moral compass of the film and tried hard to always do the right thing, navigating her way in that backwards town. She had the same reasons to be dysfunctional in her life, but through it all, she handled herself with grace and dignity, unlike others. More on that later. A score of 17 to 18 points is enough for a C, and that earns you the rank of Willard. He was a loyal friend to Rand, despite all the trouble it brought to him. However, despite an entire montage in the movie teaching him how to dance, the best he could come up with was doing that weird leg slidey thing and flopping around on the ground. So I think giving him a C works well here. We can all use a friend like him in our lives. Let's hear it for the boy. A score of 14 to 16 points is enough for a D, And that can only be Ariel and her lame red boots. Look, I get it. She has daddy issues and grew up in a toxic environment that begs for ways for her to act out and cope with her hurt feelings. I get it. The tragic loss of her brother is a kind of thing that can really mess somebody up inside. However, she gets the rank of D because unlike Rusty, every time she has to make a choice, she picks the wrong way to go. She consistently puts herself in harmful situations, but worse, she pulls her friends down with her. There's absolutely no reason for Ren to be into her, and in no world does she deserve him. I'm just saying. The only reason she's not an F on today's quiz is because she was able to get over her hurt feelings and confront her overbearing father in a meaningful way, and in the end, she was instrumental in convincing the council to allow the prom to have dancing. Speaking of which. And finally, if you scored 13 or less, Avalon, you scored 13. One more point would have avoided this for you. This is our first F on the show. I'm just saying. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you scored 13 or less. Well, that's a failing grade, I'm afraid. So give me a minute here. 
in Footloose, people aren't allowed to dance in public, at home or at school or anywhere inside the Beaumont, Utah town limits. This ridiculous law has been in effect for years, and we're shown that it is strictly enforced for the whole movie, right? All things considered, it would be a safe to assume that not one high schooler in Beaumont should know how to dance when the film takes place, right? Wrong. Well, yes, Ren teaches Willard how to dance, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> when the prom hits, the entire student body otherwise appears to be professional dancers. There's dudes breakdancing, both popping and locking, as well as what appears to be large choreographed routines. Everybody cuts like everyone's been cutting their whole lives. I mean, you can't walk into prom and cut like that unless you've already learned how to cut. So that means they must have been practicing in secret and have been cutting this whole damn time. These cowards sit back and wait for an outsider to come to town to handle their problems for them instead of being the change that is needed for themselves. So that means Ren gets beat up, his mom gets fired from her job, the house gets vandalized by someone throwing a freaking brick through the window, and all because these gutless weaklings are too busy learning how to navigate all that glitter in their mom's basement. I'd have more respect for them if they would have just shown up to prom, have a good time, and dance like 40 other Willards out there. These MFers deserve an F for sure. So I hope you didn't fail this quiz. You don't want part any part of this rank at all. Hmm. That's oh you, Avalon. I'm just saying. That's my first F ever. Avalon, where I, do you live right now? I live in Utah. Is it Beaumont, Utah? No, it's not. Okay, good, because that's a fictional town. I'd be worried. <laughs> I, I believe it was real. Do they, do, do they have dancing where you live? Is it okay? Yes, there's dancing in Salt Lake, so we're okay. good. All right, okay. Yay. Did you have fun despite? No, I did have fun. I I knew that's how it was going to go. I knew I was going to do very bad, but I'm surprised I got some points, honestly. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming on and thank you so much for having a good attitude through it all. I'm glad you had a good time. We hope you've enjoyed playing along this episode of The Home Game and we'll post your score and comments on the Facebook group page. Remember, don't make any comments at Avalon. She's trying her best here. She wasn't born in our generation. So, I mean, go play this episode for any 25-year-old you know and see if they can get 13 points on this quiz. That's my challenge to you. Blame my mom. She didn't educate me well enough. She should have educated you more. Marissa, if you're listening, you could have done more to prevent your daughter from getting the rank of loser dancers from Beaumont. I'm too educated about NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. I don't know enough about That's all my education. Judges. Calm down. If you're interested in supporting the show, we have a Patreon account set up for those who would like to take advantage of the special offers available for becoming a contributor. Or if you just want to show some appreciation for what we're trying to do here, we also offer our Venmo account at Who Will Save Gen X. Detailed information is available in the show notes for both of these ways to send the show a little bit of love. If you have questions, comments, or would like to sign up to become a guest on either the home game or regular version of the show, you can email me at Who Will Save Gen X at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and invite you to become a friend of the show. Well, that's it for this edition of The Home Game. Thank you very much for checking us out, and we hope you had a good time listening. We'll be back with our regular version of the podcast in the next episode, where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Millennial, because I'm a cusper. What What do you got on your face? Is it mud? Mud.
conspiracies, snacks, and tinfoil hats. <laughs> Macho types wanted must dance and have a mustache. Oh. Pink Panther flakes are pink. And that does indeed make your stomach explode, as a matter of fact. And macho gay fantasy personas. That's what my Tinder profile says, too. We'll edit that out. Don't worry. No, no, no. Are these all real? He. A zillennial. Zillennial? Yeah, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> Tea Lady Betty. Come on, girl. Is that... I... <laughs> McDonald's onion nuggets? Everybody cut. Everybody cut. The village people. Oh. Olivia Newton-John. Bizarrely large, transparent beach ball. Javi Feierstein. Let's hear it for the boy. <laughs> the demon murder case? I'm just a bear. We will walk you. No. It doesn't help me. <laughs> Give yourself one point if you met this sufficient. See, he. Johnny Eggs. I'm proud of that one. Go summer night. Thanks for doing your part to save Generation X. Okay, we're screwed. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.